0: Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Good
1: morning, everyone. Pastor Brian Odland, coming at you today on April 4th, 2021. Uh, I can definitely say spring has sprung in Minnesota, right, everyone? We have people in our congregation today wearing shorts. Hallelujah. Shorts are wonderful. It's supposed to be almost 80 degrees here today. So I'm going to ask this to Jay and Caleb if they listen. How warm is it out in Seattle? I bet you it's warmer here than Seattle. So look what you're missing. All I have to say is that. Uh, As always, I want to shout out to Bryant Lake Bowl where we're at. Uh, We couldn't do this without them. Uh, It's kind of funny that the room that we're in is kind of like a makeshift room right now. Because, you know. With social distancing and everything, people are eating outside, and this room is kind of a makeshift uh, stop for you know coffee cups and all the condiments and stuff like that. So you know we're here over in the corner of Bryant Lake Bowl today, but you know it's nice because the stage is usually filled with tables, and it's not full with tables. I could have pulled a Jesus and just flipped the tables because this is our church area. So, anyway, yes, haha. Ha. Um, happy Easter to people who are celebrating Easter. Uh, I know not everyone who watches or who listens celebrates Easter. So, happy Easter to those who celebrate Easter. Uh, happy Bunny Day to those who don't. I don't know what uh, non-Christian i think this would just be a regular sunday to people who don't celebrate easter uh but yeah so hopefully this won't go super long because i want people to be i want to respect people's time and if they have plans with their family uh friends you know it's gorgeous probably all throughout the country and the world right now just with the changing of the seasons so For anyone who does watch live or who um, tunes in or listens on the podcast feed, uh, have a great day. Have a great week. Oh, I want to say, cool thing, I'm getting vaccinated tomorrow, my first vaccination. Um, They're making it here in Minnesota readily available to everyone. Um, So I snagged an appointment at Walgreens drugstore for my first dose tomorrow so if you are living in a state or country that can um get get vaccinations or that are following them i was talking to my best mate over in switzerland and he was saying that the vaccines aren't readily available Um, all the vaccines we have here in america have been made by american drug companies um so where i think we're vaccinating ourselves here first and then if we have extra ones i'm sure our government at probably an uptick because that's what they do to other countries so if you're watching from overseas hopefully you guys can get vaccinated soon as well um but yeah a lot of us here are getting vaccinated i know some of the people here in our congregation live have um Gotten at least the first dosage, and I know a lot of people who watch online who've contacted me said that they've gotten vaccinated. So hopefully, by the time summer starts, um, everything can be, uh, everything can be, you know, up and running. Hopefully, as normal as one, or as as we hope could be. Um, So yeah, I last week I preached a sermon about we're all atheists, small a. I know it was Palm Sunday. I just honestly did not feel um, like preaching a Palm Sunday service or, you know, the whole thing. I kind of joked with some of my coworkers. I said, I know how the story goes. I know how the story ends. So, and being a pastor of a church congregation that's kind of out of the box, that meets in a bar slash bowling alley, that meets predominantly a lot of the listeners online, we're kind of not beholden to to all of that to to kind of like church calendar stuff but today i came up with the sermon earlier this week on on about easter cuz this is such a such an important uh, day on the church calendar whether people are christians or not or somewhere in between people know every year when Easter, you know, it's on our, any kind of calendar, it just kind of pops up. Okay. It's Easter whatever. So I wanted to at least, um, at least kind of talk about that. Um, cause I, I would think it would kind of be a disservice on Easter, um, of not talking about the resurrection or talking about what happened. So, I'm entitling this talk today, and I never like saying sermons, because I grew up with sermons being like 15, 20 minutes, and I feel like my sermons are an hour, which I never, when I started this, I said to Amanda, how in the world am I going to come up with an hour-long sermon every every Sunday? Well, you know, it's, to me, it's easier, easier now that I've done it for a number of months, but anyway, so the the title of this talk is reimagining the resurrection uh so don't throw all your hateful comments at me cuz i'm saying reimagining the resurrection but you'll you'll get um you'll get this what i'm talking about this as we go on but since it's easter i think it would be good to read one of the uh resurrection narratives in the gospel so this is coming from matthew 28 uh, verses 1 through 10 now after the sabbath toward the dawn of the first day of the week mary magdalene and the mother went to see the tomb and behold there was a great earthquake for an angel of the lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow, and for fear of him the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angels said to the woman or to the women, excuse me, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, Come, see the place where he lay. Then then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. See, they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Um, that's one of the kind of resurrection, pulling back the tomb, because as Easter we celebrate. You know, obviously Good Friday was the day Jesus was killed, crucified. Holy Saturday was yesterday where I was joking with my neighbor. Of, I maybe should have did a little sermon or snippet yesterday on kind of you know, our God, our deity of people who claimed Christians. That Saturday was that day of like, what, what's going on? What's happening? God was, you know, Jesus was crucified, is dead. What happened? And then obviously today on Easter, the significance is Jesus, you know, rose, rose again. I think what's really cool though about this, because I have said how a lot of the scriptures, patriarchal, misogynistic, but what I think is really cool here in Matthew, at least in this reading of it, uh, that the angel of the Lord came to women. It was the women who went to the tomb, not the men, because the women were bringing um, the women were bringing like um, incense, perfume, just so the body wouldn't be smelling. Obviously, anybody who knows anything about dead people, the longer a person is dead and, you know, your body starts to decay, you start to smell, give off gases. Um, so they were just trying to make Jesus' Jesus's body and the tomb not not smelling. Um, and if people didn't realize too, which is cool, the, the tomb uh, was actually the joseph of arimathea's it was his family's uh not just his tomb but his burial area and you know sometimes we see in the movies like if we saw the passion or whatever that we see that this tomb was probably massive and huge it it probably was big enough to put a family in but it wasn't like you walked into this thing and it was like a 60 foot by 60 foot you know cement area it was just big enough to you put the bodies and stuff and however i think it's interesting And how I, one thing I love about uh, Jesus and Jesus' teachings is a lot of times the men were the, uh, what's the word? The men were the dunces, the the idiots who could not uh, comprehend the teachings of Jesus, could not comprehend uh, just a lot of the things that Jesus said. And I think it's really telling in a cool way of how Jesus, or how the angel, first came up to the women and were like, oh, this person that you're you're wanting to look for, Jesus, nothing happened, like he wasn't stolen, you know, whatever, but he rose. And of course, you know, I'm sure these women were like, what kind of cruel prank is this? What kind of a terrible joke is this? But then what I think is also awesome is Jesus could have spoke to anyone. He could have Came in riding on another donkey. He could have done what walked right into the town or to the village because obviously this grave and the tomb was outside of the city, of course. But then Jesus, and I think it was funny when I just read it, read that. Like his first word after dying and rising again was greetings, like hello. I mean, could you imagine just the sheer dumbfoundedness that a person would have to go through? Of like this person that we just saw get crucified and buried and you know, so much violence afflicted towards him, then all of a sudden Jesus just shows up and he's like, Hi, what you know, what's going on? And I'm sure it was more than that, but I think it's awesome and why I tell people that Jesus is very pro women. Not can't say about all the church over the centuries and, and millennia, but Jesus was very pro women, very pro uh uh the females bringing the good news the gospel of Jesus, and that's a little side note that's why I'm a full proponent, full adherent to women in ministry because Jesus gave women a lot of the uh a lot of the good news to say to the rest of the people, and so I think it's really cool that Jesus went to Mary went to Martha, all these women who supported him in his teachings and his ministry and uh and actually was like here you go tell the disciples Jesus himself was like I'm not going to go do that cuz they know that he Jesus knows that his disciples are not going to believe him like what this is like resurrection that that doesn't happen the, who 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 in the history of the world has been killed and then resurrected besides Jesus and Lazarus so, I think that that part's really cool. My point in, with this part is the question that I have, because I have questions. You don't have, to, you don't have to answer them. I guess it's more rhetorical, but how many of us were shown this message, or when we grew up in church, whether you're from the States or overseas or wherever you're listening, that you've heard the, the message of just the passion story? you you've heard good friday story you you've you heard it probably ad nauseum you know every year in church and you you know it gives you the you're sad on friday because you're like oh this jesus this the god that we worship is dead is you know now in the grave and then i can remember whether the ucc church i was at the last 10 years or the pentecostal church it's just you know friday is that that somberness cuz we're we're grieving that our God is dead, but then on Sunday we're excited and we're like, hallelujah, this is great, and it gives you all the the chills. And I'm not saying that that is wrong, but I'm saying maybe we can reinterpret the resurrection not just as Jesus had to die and Jesus had to resurrect. And um, I was talking to my good friend Scotty yesterday of why I think a lot of people, a lot of people that I grew up with in the church are having a hard time with the resurrection is it's the theological term the penal substitution um, theory for the atonement which is the atonement is god having to die so atonement literally is a fancy word of toning for for us for humans and a lot of you know and there's probably like four or five different ones, but the penal substitutionary atonement pretty much is in, in in layman's term is that God sent Jesus to earth to do the ministry, to do the teachings, and that Jesus had to die for all of humanity, for all the sins of everyone. So to whoever's watching this or listening to whoever live here, it was probably... Shown in or beaten into our head that God had to do this, that Jesus had to die on the cross because every everything that you do as a human, whatever quote-unquote sin, which I hate that word, but whatever sin that you do, like Jesus died on the cross for that, so he took your place so you wouldn't have to go to hell or whatever. I mean, for the people here, is that kind of true? A lot of us, what we were taught? in a lot of ways. And I guess when I was talking to my friend yesterday, I was like, that just makes me mad. And he was like, well, what do you mean? I said, it, it makes me mad not because Jesus... And I said, I personally I personally hold, and this is just my own personal opinion, I do believe Jesus was a real human. I think Jesus was a a, a regular man, but also divine. I do think Jesus was... Historically, uh, you know, killed uh, by the people in his day, and I do think Jesus died, and I do personally believe that Jesus resurrected. That's my belief. I'm not saying that everyone else has to believe that, but that's for me. However, I was, and I posted. If people follow my personal Instagram, Rogue Theologian, I had I had made uh, a post where, um. Why why is the resurrection important if the Christ damns most people to hell? And I more or less what I said about that and what I meant by it, and which just I'm gonna tie it into here right now, is that I feel that Jesus did not need to die in order for us to quote unquote have salvation, whatever you want to say a salvation is. But I said, I think, and I said, if we look just at the historical reason why Jesus died, it wasn't for the sin of humanity. It wasn't for the sin of every single person that's ever lived or will live. But Jesus straight up got killed because he usurped the power from the Romans because the Romans were always in charge. You know, they, they, you know, based out of Rome and they had all these gods all these, the the pantheon of of deities and a lot of the people, a lot of these Roman kings or rulers actually call themselves gods, like worship. You know, and if you go back in the scripture, you can actually hear or read portions where you know, where it's like this Caesar is a god, worship me as a god. And of course, believers of Yahweh God back then were like, no, like you're not a god. This is our god. And so you could see where there's a lot of Inks from the Romans, but it wasn't just the Romans that hated Jesus for what Jesus spoke about, but it was also the Pharisees. It was the religious people of the day. And all throughout the New Testament, when Jesus comes in contact with the Pharisees, you know, he'll straight up say, you know the law. I'm not saying you don't know the law. Yes, this is the law, but I, I came because I am the law. Or it was like, this is what has been told to you, this is what has been preached to you, blah, 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 blah. This is what has been said to you in the temple. But I'm saying, I I am that law, and you're getting it wrong. So, and, and Jesus, what's so awesome about Jesus is Jesus always answers a question with another question. Are you Jesus? Who do you say that I am? You know, when Pontius Pilate was like, are you the king of the Jews? And it's like, who do you say that I am? Because he's not, he's purposely not, he knows who he is. Jesus knows full well he's God's son and he he's here to do this teaching. But I said, if we look at that and, and how we reimagine it of, okay, I had, Jesus had to die. He took my place for all the crap that I've done in my life, whatever that is, A through Z. That just, to me, and this is hot take, that it makes God via, you know, his son Jesus, look like a very rude, terrible father, in my opinion. I'm a father of my daughter, and if I have any more kids, I would not send my daughter to earth and then say, hey, you know what? You need a 33 years after you were born, you're going to have to die on the cross for all people, and if they don't, believe in the way that we say, then they're going to go to hell forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. That just see that just as a parent, and this might not make sense to people who might not be parents, but it, it probably can. But as a parent, there's nothing you can do there, there is no love that's greater than that. Yes. I love my wife. I have that love in, as a spouse. But when I look at my daughter, like my daughter's here at church with me, obviously with headphones on, but there's times where she pisses me off. There's times I get angry at her. But when I look at her, I'm like, there's nothing that this person can do that would make me love her any less. So when you look at this penal substitutionary atonement, I just have issues with it. And I have issues with it because... Saying that Jesus had to die on a cross for all of humanity is, I don't know, it just does not sit right in my heart. It doesn't sit right in my gut. And I know that there's a lot of people uh, like myself who've deconstructed, who were former evangelicals, excuse me, former evangelicals, who they say that's a, a huge reason why they left, is because you're preaching this God of love and acceptance and inclusion but unless you believe in Jesus the way we do uh then you're going to go to hell and burn for all of eternity. And that's just you know I'm sorry that's just something that I can't get behind. Uh I think I think uh something that makes sense. I'm not saying I uh, espouse to this at one time I did, but there there's the view of like the crucifixion, the resurrection. So if you're taking notes or if you're listening to this, this this falls into the reimagining. And my point of this whole talk is we need to, as Christians, and not even as Christians, but as thinking people, uh, push the question, push the narrative is, is there just this one meaning to the resurrection? Is it just this death and resurrection? Can there be more ways to understand this or to view it or think of it than having to believe that Jesus died, rose again for all of us for this penal substitutionary atonement view. But one could look at it as uh, a universalistic understanding, meaning when Jesus died on the cross and resurrected, it was a symbol of Jesus doing that for all humans at all times, regardless if you believe in Jesus or not, but that Jesus died, you know, this brutal, horrific death, rose again, for all people of all time. People from all different religions, people from who will never believe in God, people who will never hear the name of God, that Jesus did it for all humanity. There is that view, and that view is actually very, very popular, not just within Christendom, uh, or people who are Christians, but so there's that view. Um the view that I that I kinda took and that is making more sense to me, it's a little bit of uh, a Brian twist to the theology, and this is going back to my Facebook post, but I took the, the view that th- the reason Jesus died wasn't because of us as humans, but the reason Jesus died is what I had just said. The Romans killed him and the religious people killed him of his day because he was coming in. And how many times have I said throughout sermons, Jesus um, usurped power Here was the power structure of the day. Here was the government. Here was the religious people. They were doing their own thing. Obviously, the the government of Rome and the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had their ways of doing everything, and you had to pay the taxes. You had to go to the temple. You had to believe this way and this way and this way and that way, and you could have a little bit of difference or variances on how you believe things but you couldn't espouse it you couldn't lead people astray and Jesus wasn't the only person that Rome or the Pharisees were mad at there was a lot of people talking against and against the Romans there was a lot of people talking against you know the Pharisees but Jesus i think what what was so awesome about Jesus is everything that the Romans everything that the Pharisees stood for it was like Jesus came in here, this quiet, meek, and mild teacher, this rabbi, and he flipped the whole narrative upside down and was like, this is a law, but this is not my law. Or you say this is what God wants, I am God, and this is not what he wants. And I actually talked with one of my coworkers the other day where I was like, it seems to me like the God of the Old Testament and how the the Israelites and the Jews looked at, God was this crazy dictator, crazy uh, warlord, and then you see in the New Testament, through Jesus, this meek and mild, this very different understanding of Jesus. And I was like, did the people in the Old Testament get their understanding of God wrong? Or... When we start saying this is how God is, this is how God is, and then when we really do see Jesus in the New Testament, that like, whoa, this maybe our interpretation, maybe our worldview on who God is is really maybe we got it wrong. But getting back to this post, I had said I think what makes the resurrection beautiful is that the resurrection to me was that Jesus got killed for being uh, a threat. Jesus got killed because he was a threat to the Romans. He was a threat to uh, the religious people of his day, and they wanted to silence him. And you look all throughout history, I don't care, Christian history, just regular history, even our American history, when you want someone silenced, what do you do? You kill them. That's simply what you do. Their teachings, so they're thinking, okay, we're going to kill this Jesus, or they're going to kill this quote unquote Messiah and we're gonna eradicate him, his teachings. Once you kill that person, his followers are gonna disperse all over the world, or or not disperse, but um, that's what they did. But they thought like, okay, we're gonna kill the head of this group and now they're gonna be so mad and so hurt and so sad that they're just gonna go on their ways. But the actual, the other thing happened. They dispersed all over the world and started preaching this gospel. So I look at it as the resurrection for me is the teachings and the words and the message of Jesus resurrected. I, like I said, I personally believe Jesus did resurrect, but I think the because when Jesus was here on earth, Jesus never once preached, if you follow me, start this new religion called Christianity. Because all about Jesus was, and I tell people, it was an ethic. It was a morality. It was this teaching I said, nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to be a Christian and label yourself that. We just, we just come up with that over the history of Christianity through the millennia. Is like, oh, well, we're Christians, and if people go back and study far enough, early Christians before Christian was even a thing, was it was the follower of the way. So it was like the way was the teachings of Jesus. So I look at resurrection in a lot of ways, as Jesus died and his teachings his his life his story uh the ethic the morality of jesus that's what's eternal whether because i have friends who are christians who are like i don't believe in a literal resurrection and i'm like okay and they're like well wait like doesn't that make me a heretic doesn't that make me less than or whatever i'm like no there i said there's been people all throughout millennia who haven't believed in a literal resurrection but they still believe in the teachings of Jesus they, they believe in the resurrection because of the teachings of Jesus. They believe in the resurrection because these teachings, this ethic, this morality has come alive. And I really think, uh, that's a very, very important, uh, thing to take, uh, to take away from it is maybe, maybe, maybe it was a literal resurrection. Maybe it wasn't a literal resurrection. Maybe it was just the te- teachings that have been resurrected. I gotta take a take a pop break. The other thing I'm gonna kind of end with, like I said, I'm not gonna make it super long, just because I want to respect people's time. And Amanda can put this in the show notes. Um, people know not just Jay or Caleb, but a lot of us from revolution, people who kind of follow what we do, we get influenced by a lot of people. And one person who's influenced me a ton, there's a lot, but one person who's influenced me the most is Peter Rollins. Uh, And what I'm about to read out of was not one of his more popular books, but it's by far leaps and bounds. My favorite uh, book of his is a little book that came out about 12 years ago and I'm gonna show it here on the camera, but then Amanda can put it in the notes. But it's called "The Orthodox Heretic" and other impossible tales. And what Pete does, he's he's not just brilliantly smart, but he's uh, he's also uh, how he how he just is a wordsmith. There we go. He's just like a wordsmith. He will take ideas. And stories from the Bible, stories from life, and he'll make us flip the narrative. So sometimes when I come up with these stories or these new ways of looking at things, that sometimes in the back of my head I'm like, man, I wish I could I wish I could form it in the way Pete does, because I'll read a lot of his books and his articles, and I'm like, gosh, that's so right. She's just like a drop the mic kind of a moment. And every one and I've read through this book probably two or three times. This has a little worse for the wear. Because I think it makes so much sense and it's so wonderful and, and, and how he tells us, the reader, and he makes it so that Christians will think harder about it and he'll make it where even if you're agnostic or atheistic that you sit back and you're like, huh, this is really, really, really good. So I'm going to read, I'm going to end with this and then see if there's any questions. But this, this, uh, this, what he has, he'll write like a two- or three-page like story, and then he gives his commentary at kind of what he expects us, what he meant by it. So this is what I'm going to do, or read. Called, this is entitled, Being the Resurrection. Late that evening, a group of unknown disciples packed their few belongings and left for a distant shore, for they could not bear to stay another moment in the place where their Messiah had just been crucified. Weighed down with sorrow, they left that place, never to return. Instead, they traveled a great distance in search of a land that they could call home. After months of difficult travel, they finally happened upon an isolated area that was ideal for setting up a new community. Here they found fertile ground, clean water, and a nearby forest from which to harvest material needed to build shelter. So they settled there, founding a community far from Jerusalem, a community where they vowed to keep the memory of Christ alive and live in simplicity, love, and forgiveness, just as he had taught them. The members of this community lived in great solitude for over a hundred years, spending their days reflecting on the life of Jesus and attempting to remain faithful to his ways. And they did all this despite the overwhelming sorrow in their heart. But their isolation was eventually broken when, early one morning, a small band of missionaries reached the settlement. These missionaries were amazed at the community they found. What was most startling to them was that these people had no knowledge of the resurrection and the ascension of Christ, for they had left Jerusalem before his return from the dead on the third day. Without hesitation, the missionaries gathered together, all the community members and All the community members had recounted what had occurred after the imprisonment and bloody crucifixion of their Lord. That evening, there was a great festival in the camp as people celebrated the news of the missionaries. Yet, as the night progressed, one of the missionaries noticed that the leader of the community was absent. This bothered the young man, so he set out to look for this respected elder. Eventually, he found the community's leader crouched low in a small hut on the fringe of the village praying and weeping. "Why are you in such sorrow?" asked the missionary in amazement. "Today is a time for great celebration. It may it may indeed be a great day for celebration, but this is also a day of sorrow," replied the elder, who remained crouched on the floor. "Since the founding of this community, we have followed the ways taught to us by Christ." We pursued his ways faithfully, even though it cost us dearly, and we remained resolute despite the belief that death had defeated him and would one day defeat us also. The elder slowly got to his feet and looked the missionary compassionately in the eyes. Each day we have forsaken our very lives for him because we judged him wholly worthy of the sacrifice, wholly worthy of our being. But now following your news, I am concerned that my children and my children's children may follow him, not because of his radical life and supreme sacrifice, but selfishly because his sacrifice will ensure their personal salvation and eternal life. With this, the elder turned and left the hut, making his way to the celebrations that could be heard dimly in the distance, leaving the missionary crouched on the floor. So this is the commentary, what Pete wants to get this from it. And this is, very utterly, utterly important to me because this is perfectly how we should reimagine the resurrection. This story was written. So these are Pete Rollins's words, not mine. So I have to definitely, uh, like I'm writing a theological paper. I got to give the footnotes. So like I said, this is Pete, not my words, but these words are to me ring so true, so loud on a day like today on Easter, um, when we celebrate the resurrection. This story was written in order to explore what it means for a person to affirm the resurrection of Christ. While the community described above knew nothing of the literal resurrection, there is a sense in which they affirm the reality of the resurrection in a more radical way than many of those who confess such a belief. The reason for this relates to the fact that for many today, belief in the resurrection simply acts as a guarantee of eternal life, and cosmic meaning. In this way, the belief itself is divorced from action and acts as nothing more than a type of divine insurance policy. In contrast, this tale asks whether the resurrection is fundamentally something that is lived and does not depend on one's subjective belief. In order to explore this theme, the story creates a type of prolonged Holy Saturday experience. Holy Saturday refers to the day that is nestled in between Good Friday and Easter Saturday. In this liminal space between witnessing the crucifixion and hearing of the resurrection, the members of this community described above have given themselves wholly to the teachings of Jesus. In this way, they follow him without thought of some future reward, and thus they follow him in a truly sacrificial way. It is in this dedicated commitment to Christ that one can say that the resurrection is truly made manifest, for while there is no intellectual affirmation of Christ's living presence there is an incarnated testimony to this presence here jesus is testified to as present in the life and actions of the community the affirm this affirmation is not wrapped up in some abstract belief it is testified to in the nat- in the texture of their lives not only does this cause us to rethink the necessity of believing in the resurrection it can actually cause us to wonder whether this belief could sometimes act as a barrier to really affirming this reality. As mentioned above, it is not uncommon to find people within the church who believe for self interested reasons, for example, affirming Christianity out of a desire to enter heaven. When confronted with this, it is not the Christian is not the Christian obliged to undermine the intellectual belief In the resurrection, inviting the person to reflect upon the life and death of Christ in and of themselves. Far from being an unorthodox idea, this is precisely what happens in the Christian calendar every year during Tenembrae. Unlike today, when many people wish to proclaim from the rooftops that Jesus is Messiah, Jesus is recorded here as wishing to keep his identity a secret. And I kind of skipped over he was reading out of Matthew 16, 13 through 20, so go look it up. Uh, From Jesus keeping his identity a secret, almost as if such an idea could actually get in the way of what he stood for. We can understand this when we grasp how affirming Christ as the Messiah is not a verbal act, but rather is testified through one's life. Is this not how we ought to read the statement? Therefore I tell you, that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit, which is 1 Corinthians 12.3. Of course, this does not mean that one is unable to say the words, Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God. The point is, is that affirmation, Jesus is Lord, is not some disembodied intellectual claim it is an it is an incarnated affirmation declared in the life of those who pour themselves out for the poor, the oppressed, and the enemy. This story thus explores the controversial possibility that Christians are not called to believe in the resurrection, but rather are called to be the site where resurrection takes place, the site where Christ's presence is testified to in action. That's... I have a mic here, but I'm not going to drop it. But I feel that that, that to me, folks who are listening to this live or who will listen to this when it comes out, that is what I mean about reimagining resurrection. Resurrection, to me, in reading reading this story, and I've read it, this is probably the fifth or sixth time I've read it in the last couple years, but this is why resurrection, to me, is important but sometimes it's hard to celebrate with most of my Christian brothers and sisters because they look at the resurrection as a divine insurance policy. It gets me out of hell. If it wasn't for Jesus doing this, then I'm going to go to hell. And what Pete did so beautifully in this parable was say, it shouldn't be about this divine insurance policy. It should not be about whether we're going to go to heaven and this is saving us from divine torment aka hell but we should believe in the resurrection because these teaching cuz when we live out the teachings of Jesus when we feed the poor when we clothe the naked when we take care of the widow the orphan the poor when we love our neighbor as ourselves that is the resurrection we're living into the resurrection by doing the same exact teachings that Jesus told us to do. So, and I to me this this makes so much sense. This makes much more sense to me than going to church on Good Friday on Easter and saying, "Okay, Jesus, you know, there's that song, Jesus paid it all." all to him, I forget the whole thing, but it was this whole Easter song of like, Jesus paid the death so I wouldn't go to hell. And I look at it and I was like, yeah, that's one way to look at it. But if we reimagine it like Pete does in this parable, the resurrection is, and why Jesus died was because this ethic, this morality that he stood for was such a a, a thorn in the side to the people to the religious elite, and so what Pete says is when, when we believe in the crucifixion or when we believe in the resurrection and we live it out, that is what the resurrection is about. It's not about potentially Jesus dying on the cross and rising again, but it's his teachings that have come manifest. It's his teachings that become alive, and it's these teachings that become eternal. And that is what I want to leave you on. Easter with, and how we celebrate resurrection. And whether you listen to this today, whether you listen to this this week, or you listen to it months from now, resurrection is is at the crux of Christianity, is at the crux of it's a high holy day in all of Christendom. But when we look at the resurrection as a divine insurance policy to get our asses out of hell, then you're totally, utterly missing the point of the resurrection. You're missing it. And it's not Pete that just says this. People have been saying these things since Christ ascended to heaven, if you believe that, since Christ was on the scene. And... It's frustrating where we don't hear that. It's frustrating. I was telling my coworkers, I said, one thing that bothers me about being a Christian, a follower of the way, is there's so many Christians who just believe in everything hook, line, and sinker that we don't ask questions. We don't push the narrative. We we don't ask our elders in the church or our pastors some of these deep, hard questions. And a lot of us left the church because we're not getting any answers to these deep hard hard seated questions. And I know people might disagree with me because, you know, people's faith, the two things, especially in America, you can't talk to people about is faith and politics, because people get so offended and so hurt by if someone agrees or disagrees with them. That I just want to leave you today here on on Easter is when we celebrate the resurrection today is the day on the church calendar where we celebrate jesus' uh, resurrection coming a lot coming back from the dead but i i want people to understand when they listen don't look at it just you can look at it in the way of jesus died for this penal substitutionary view that you can have that view that jesus died and had to rise rise again so we wouldn't go to hell. But what Pete said, and I would concur with Pete, is that is doing a disservice to the teachings of Jesus. That is doing a disservice to the understanding of what Jesus did his three years in in the ministry, his ministry, teaching people. He was laying the groundwork of, you want to be a follower of me? You want to live my teachings? I'm going to lay my life down so you can understand why it is so important. And if you take these teachings, you one day might die for these teachings. And maybe, and I tell people, hell, there's a, there's a famous, uh, I think he's an English philosopher, Jean-Paul Sartre, or that I mean, was French, duh, with that name like that, where he literally says, hell is other people. And there are so many times I look at when somebody's going through depression or if someone's going through the loss of a loved one, when someone loses their job, that's hell. That's hell on earth for people. But you can also experience heaven in this liminal space. When I got married, that was a heavenly thing because I married my best friend. When our daughter was born and being in the hospital, that was this liminal, beautiful space thing where I felt close to God and to the divine. And I think Jesus preaches a lot about that in the New Testament where, yeah, hell, they talk about hell in certain contexts and heaven in a certain context. But I think especially throughout the history of Christendom, we've seen a lot of people talk about heaven is here amongst us already. Hell is here amongst us already. Because We can create hell for people. We can create heaven for people. It's how we treat others. If we, You know, I tell people all the time, the two greatest commands that are found in the Bible, it's to love God and to love others. Everything else is just, is like, who cares? I'm not saying that you shouldn't try to live a good life, but that is the crux of the teaching is if I can't love God in whatever fashion that is, I can't love my neighbor. I can't love Curtis. I can't love Amanda. I can't love whoever is a part of this community. I can't love my neighbor. Because that's at the core of who it is, or of what it is. I will shut up, but the last thing I will say, the resurrection is lived out through the teachings of Jesus. That is why Jesus paid the price with his life, is so his teachings are eternal that we could take these teachings that we found that we find in the scripture and replicate it and mimic it that's a great word mimic these teachings that's what resurrection's about it's not about getting your butt out of hell it's about being this loving caring person to the community to the community wherever you live in and that is the resurrection lived out sound good See if we got any, I think Amanda, you posted any questions or comments. No one wants to comment today. Maybe I pissed people off. Maybe I
0: didn't. Curtis, do you have anything? So um, I've heard, uh, obviously for modern, uh, people living in the modern world or the postmodern world, there's uh, difficulties in believing that because we have a scientific view of how the The world works. Difficulty in believing that a human being died and came back to life. It's something that is difficult for us to wrap our heads around. And there's different ways to try to um, make sense of Easter in the context uh, that we live currently. And uh, one way in which I've heard it articulated, which I think um, parallels what you're talking about, Uh, and I'm curious to get your comments on it, is the idea that um, the act of God becoming a human being in itself is somewhat of a resurrection, where God, uh, well, I wrote down the definition of resurrection is the act of bringing something that had disappeared or ended back into use or existence. And it seems by reading the Old Testament that the covenants that were made with God and human beings didn't seem to be working out that well. Like there were agreements made and agreements broken. Um, God seemed to be frustrated all the time. Um, This like sort of, there wasn't an equilibrium or like some sort of perfect uh, setup that was that was functioning properly. And I've heard it said that God decided to try a different tactic and become incarnate, become part of his creation. Uh, And that in and of itself, that metamorphosis from being this transcendent entity and becoming a human being is a way of uh, bringing back something that had disappeared or ended uh, back into use, and I feel like that sort of concept of resurrection is something that we, as the church, can try to be incarnate people living in our lives to try to bring back the the hope that was uh in the old testament that w- that we have some sort of uh way of bringing God into the world, and yeah, I think that the teachings that you're talking about of standing up to power or trying to help the down and out or the oppressed is a way to to live out the resurrection and to be incarnate in the world. So
1: That was uh that was heavy. That was good. That was that was free content right there from Curtis. Um I'm just going to hold this instead of putting it back on. Um Yeah, I do I mean I don't know if I can Answer all of that because I think that would be another whole sermon that I could t- talk about. But I do think one thing I wanted to say what Curtis was saying is comment on was the people forget the duality that Jesus was. The duality meaning God in this divinity sense of what Jesus was. Because and this is where I, you know some more progressive liberal people might not like it, but I the Bible makes quite clear that. Jesus is of of dual of dualness. He was God divine but he was also human at the same time. And I'm not saying that we can become divine or we can be go- become God. But I do think a form of this metamorphosis that Curtis was saying or part of a resurrection was God sending Jesus down if you believe that whole story uh, of that but taking, and what I think is beautiful about it is God, you know, bringing himself down to the people, you know, God could have just came down off the clouds and rode in on this majestic, you know, horse or whatever, but God chose to put himself through what we did as humans, put put a woman through childbirth, have Jesus show up as a small child, and The one thing I hate about the scripture is we hear very little about Jesus' young life. We hear bits and pieces of his story when he was like 12 and he ran away from his parents and went into the temple and blah, 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 blah. But I do think what Curtis was saying was that, that there is this resurrection from something that was there. I think what you said that was there and that went away, but then comes back again, that like resurrects. So I think in a way... The the humanness of God, maybe we can look at it. This just popped into my head. Maybe what died at, at the crucifixion was Jesus' humanness, but the divinity wasn't killed. And that divinity was the thing that has kept living and and it keeps living to this day. Call that the Holy Spirit. Call that the great spirit, call it whatever you want. I think that could be, and I know some people, a lot of Christians will be like, well, no, it was his divinity and his humanness that was both killed or else we couldn't have salvation. That's just going to get into a long theological conversation that we don't have time for. I mean, if people ever want to call me or email me, we could always have a discussion that way. But I really do think what Curtis was saying is that we forget a lot of times, of, of this duality, this dualism that Jesus had. And it, it's hard to put your head around. It's hard to wrap your mind around, this person was human, like me, but also at the same time was divine. So you're like, you're of two natures. You you, you know are living everything like a human being. You get sick, you get heartache, you have joys, but you're also divine because you're also a God which is quite interesting. I know I didn't answer all of that, but I do want to say thank you for that comment. Um, and I, my whole point of this sermon isn't to tell people how you need to believe, why you need to believe it, but it's just maybe making us think that resurrection maybe is more than a literal killing of our God on a cross and then resurrecting so we can not go to hell. If you believe that that's fine more power to you but i think what makes clear by pete's words um by a lot of other theologians and pastors is and even jesus because that part that he that pete wrote in there is that jesus kind of hushed his followers jesus kind of you know was like uh how how did he say it i don't want to go back to it per se but kind of like you know, be quiet, don't make a big fuss about this. You know, yes, I'm Jesus, but, like, it, my, my teachings are the thing that's important. Maybe my resurrection isn't as important, like this this literal death and resurrection maybe isn't as important as we make it out to be. And I know that's not a, a, a popular view within most of Christendom, but I really firmly believe that resurrection is the the living out of these teachings of jesus because that's that's how people's lives transform and i tell a lot of my friends who are even atheistic I'll, i'll say we've been hurt by the church and like i said i i'm with you all that i've been hurt by the church i've had things that still trigger me in the church but i was like the the teachings of jesus are not triggering to me because jesus literally embodies the love, the inclusion, the grace, the hope in what we should be as followers of Jesus. Um, and the church does a horseshit job of, of acting that out. They, a lot of churches are good. I'm not going to say that. There are churches, there's ministries, there are organizations who are trying to do these things that Jesus tells us to do But by and large, we do a bad, bad job at it. Um, I think we're close to time. Um, Thanks for anybody who's watching online. Um, I know we have a little bit of a downtick the last couple weeks. I'm just going to say it's because of the nice weather and uh, time differences and, you know, Holy Week, all that stuff. But like I said, uh, have a good week, whether you celebrate Easter or not. Um, have a good day, try to eat some good food, go outside, be with friends or family if you can. Um, I will say, if you like what we do, um, we're not asking for money at this time because we're so small We're, you know, we can pay for this out of our own pocket. But the thing that would be so helpful and so meaningful to not just me, but to Amanda, to Curtis, to people who call this their church, is just to spread the good news of what we're doing um, using really Christian-y language there spread the good news uh, maybe maybe tell a friend if they have questions about this or about not just this this sermon or this talk today but if you really like what we 're doing it's it's all about networking it 's all about you know growing this little thing yes revolution this is the sister church in essence using Jay and caleb 's words of revolution but it 's that's how we grow, is networking. It's, it's word of mouth. So if you can do that, that would be great. You share us on your Facebook or your socials. That would be fantastic. Um, so until next time, everyone have a good Easter. Everyone have a good week. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>